course, I could be using Apple products. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish you would use an Apple product. Just just once. I have. I still have my iPod Classic. Does that count? That's true. That's true. You do. You do still rock that iPod Classic. It's you been do. a million years, and it's never been updated, but it's still always there. <laughs> have you done anything to that? Is it still like the old spinning drive? No, no. I put. Are we a, recording? We're recording now. Yes. Sometimes I just roll audio. And I'll <laughs> okay, it. fair enough. I'm trying to get my. Are you sure? Like my little audio waves are showing much smaller than yours. I'm, do I need to turn this up more? It's fine. It looks. They all look fine for me. Yours look better than mine right now. So yeah. okay. we'll go with that. We'll be good. I usually sound okay in the edit. And he can fuck with the levels after the fact if they're not coming through. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I just right want to. It's well, easy so. to turn it up now before we start. No, but, you'll you'll have a nice cool. like. Yeah, just if you want to kick it up like one little notch, it should like that would be fine. But like, I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to okay. require too much extra. But no, to answer your question, Mark, I put a solid state drive in it ages ago, so now it's got it's two hundred fifty gigs instead of one hundred and sixty because I burned up like all the hundred the space on the hundred and sixty gig drive. So so you just went up one step. I did was at at the time that I did it. This is, could be a fucking story on its own, but basically like there was going to be a big jump in price between like 250 and 320. And plus it comes down to the uh, point where the metadata has like a limit on how much, how much the fucking iPod can store. And so like Uh, above a certain number of tracks, it just starts fucking crashing regardless how big your hard drive is. I've done an SSD swap out on, on a iPod classic and it, uh, what did I max out at? I got, I put a 256 one in there, like SSD. It was it's not the smoothest process to do, but like, I mean, whatever. Disassembling yeah. those things Anyways. sucks. Like, they're just <laughs> the worst things to disassemble. Apple products are terrible for disassembly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is sufficiently nerdy fucking preamble, so let's get started. I completely forgot what we were talking about well, halfway through when you were started talking about size. Like, wait, wait, are we still talking about iPods? Or is he talking about his hard drive right now? What's going on? I completely this is, lost this is all. Right? This is all on Tundra at this point, Mark. Yeah, I guess. I, I suppose it is. Uh, welcome back, listeners, to a milestone episode of Dance Robot Dance. This is our 250th episode, meaning we've been doing this fucking thing for almost five years. Uh, this is our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decided not safe for work point of view i'm tim i'm gonna be hosting this week we've got mark with us how has nobody told us to stop yet that's what i don't understand <laughs> you think somebody's Man, nobody like, cares enough to tell us i to think stop that's probably this. what it is nobody <laughs> like, cares no, i just won't listen that's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're crazy they're just gonna keep going i guess but like yeah. fine yeah. uh and with us we have a special guest this week my good friend celia joining us from atlanta hello celia Hi, Tim. <laughs> this is so exciting. I've never been on a podcast before. Oh, we are happy to pop your podcast chair. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. So thank you very much for joining us. Celia, I have known for, I was trying to think, like, I guess at mm-hmm. least five or six years now. Longer than that, probably. I think it's maybe a little longer, but that's like, I feel like the amount of time that we've known each other well. Like, we kind of just met. In the yeah. Dragon Con circle, yeah. Well, it was at the Atlanta Tolkien fans meetups to start mm-hmm. out and then kind of bled into Dragon Con and other stuff. And Celia is also a past winner of the Golden Dragon Trophy for our Middle yes. Earth movie marathon. I have a sad gap on my shelf now that I haven't put anything oh, else in sad. yet because I had to mail it. <laughs> yeah. Celia won the, the last year that we actually did it in Atlanta before we had to move up to Canada, so... You will always have a special place as being the last Atlanta winner. <laughs> so, unless you come back, you won't come back. <laughs> and we might we might come back, you know, to to do a, a temp, you know, a 
a remote, you know, an, an Atlanta marathon someday. Who knows? That'd be fun. If I ever have a house, I'll host. <laughs> Nice. Uh, the reason that we have Celia on the podcast this week is because they did costume work on our subject from last week, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because a majority of it was filmed in Atlanta. So they are going to tell us about their experience on the show, you know, what it was like making some of those costumes, which costumes they worked on, that kind of thing. So we will get to that later on. We're really excited to have you here to talk about that. But before we get to that, let's go into this week's nerdy news. The first one is one that popped up last week that I kind of ignored, but has got even worse this week. Noel Clark, who was on Doctor Who ages ago now, like back around like the... Yeah, the Tennant days. Yeah, the David Tennant days, who played, uh, was it Mickey? Rose's, yeah, Rose's yeah. like ex-boyfriend or whatever, on, on and off boyfriend, has been in the news quite a bit because he was about to get like a BAFTA for like lifetime achievement kind of thing like outstanding contribution to british cinema and then a bunch of women came out of the woodwork and were like uh yeah this guy treated me like shit on doctor who or whatever and was like you know sexually harassing people and like making inappropriate advances of people on set and so he's not getting that award anymore (laughs) Uh, i don't know but anyways yeah so i just thought we should acknowledge that just yet another like Hollywood, I guess London Hollywood. I mean Hollywood. Like yeah. <laughs> true. He's mo- mostly mostly British stuff. I don't yeah. know that he ever really crossed over to over here, but more garbage from men in entertainment. I feel like only the leads from Doctor Who end up over here after the fact. Like it's always yeah. Because Eccleston ended up over here. Tenet's obviously working like back and forth all the time. Matt well, Smith's Piper. working on Star Wars. Billy Piper always kind of crossed over because yeah, she was a little a bit here and there beforehand, but nobody else. And like, Karen Gillan. Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Karen Gillan. That's true. Yeah. So that's 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 almost the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. At that point, where it's it's usually just the guy who plays the doctor or the person who plays the doctor. Yeah. Like becomes famous and ends up in Hollywood because all those guys are in Marvel now at some point, right? <laughs> like Matt Smith. No, Matt Smith was Star Wars, right? Eccleston was, was in fucking Dar- Thor: The Dark World. Well, that's what I mean. Like most, yeah, they all end up in Marvel stuff or something. I'm like sure that. nobody wants to remember that, including Chris Eccleston. But <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about that almost as fondly as he talks about his time on. Doctor Doctor Who, Who. Yeah. which I mean, he hated that too. So, well, speaking of, of Marvel movies, uh, Marvel dropped, and by all means, Celia, if you have anything to say on any of these topics, chime in. You're gonna kill me because I know what you're gonna say, and I forgot to watch it. <laughs> That's all right. Mar- Marvel dropped a new sizzle reel uh, this week. That for starters, like the first half of it had like some voiceover from Stan Lee, and that was you know like we're all a family, like very much togetherness, you know, especially right now because like nobody's been able to go to the theaters to see their movies. Super emotionally manipulative. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, they're a Disney company now, Tim. What are you expecting? Right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like a Pixar director worked on this sizzle reel. Basically, <laughs> they know they know the exact strings to. Exactly. You. Well, Celia may be able to tell us how much trading goes in back and forth between all these Disney production houses <laughs> oh at this point. Oh my gosh. Have better insight to that than we do, but <laughs> it does sound like they do trade some talent fairly frequently, especially like the people who cut the trailers just work for Disney. I don't think they specifically work for one of the studios. I don't know how it works anymore, but I don't know. But yeah, so this is a reel got dropped and the latter half of it had more footage from Black Widow and Shang-Chi that we hadn't seen already and also had our first look at footage from the Eternals. Just looked pretty good. It was only maybe like 30 seconds or something like that. But, you know, still first time that we got to see that. So I was surprised Kumal had his shirt on 
because I figured they would just want to get that out of yeah, the way. He's just never going to wear a shirt again, honestly. Why would you? How <laughs> he's your god. I really just I super appreciate just how real he was about that. She was like, "This is not natural, folks. Yeah, like, like you cannot like achieve steroids this without, and, yeah, like, without like a personal like, trainer." And yeah. yeah, even without steroids, it's like you can't look like that without. <laughs> getting paid to look like that yeah yeah basically <laughs> it has to be a full-time job yeah <laughs> exactly uh, but the other cool stuff that we got out of that sizzle reel was one a subtitle for black panther 2 which is wakanda yes. forever that's shooting here right now as well oh is it um, i didn't realize that some was of it uh, i know it's cool. going to be shot in a variety of places but we've got people uh working on i think nice something i don't i don't know where in town it is i can't say anything more about it because i don't know anything but i feel like marvel has something <laughs> shooting in atlanta at all times almost now. constantly like it, almost a little constant. bit yeah we're finishing up a few projects and then i don't know what's gonna come next i know a lot of the features are in australia now so we'll just have to yeah. see but they still, yeah. but they're still the tv stuff so that's taika too right because he's know. doing like what three things at the same yeah time. i know oh, and oh, then so. i know that chris hemsworth just wanted to be in australia because that's where his yeah. family is and when you're chris hemsworth you just <laughs> get to be he's like working on furioso right now too yeah. oh <laughs> man i love i love fury road i'm excited about that oh me too yeah we both fucking blew the hell out of fury road when it came out <laughs> we weren't doing the podcast when that movie came out i don't think no it came out but like yeah it's definitely something that uh it's one of those movies. Like maybe... five years no oh man it's it's uh when did that come out now like no, I, feel, like I feel like Fury Road came out. 20, while okay, we were... 2015. So that's six years now. Yeah, I was okay, like, it was absolutely so not 2012. It came out like two months before we started doing the podcast. Fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, yeah, we, we've, we've talked about it enough that it feels. I mean, like yes. we've done an episode on it at this point. It's so good. Maybe when the the sequel comes out, we'll actually go back and do the. Hell yeah, that one, at least. I, I don't know if we would do with them all. I, I mean, I'd watch them all, but then you got to talk about Mel Gibson an awful lot. And, and it's Thunder just like... <laughs> Full disclosure, I have only watched Fury Road. I don't have any oh, interest in it. <laughs> I'm a little too Jewish to watch Mel Gibson movies. I yeah, well, there is definitely, yeah. It's one of those series that, like, I mean, we, I watched it in the, like, 90s when before yeah, he went off true. the deep end. And, <laughs> you know, everybody still liked Mel Gibson when we watched, I watched Mad Max and Thunderdome and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. They should just remake all those movies now at this point. Just like do them all with Tom Hardy. Yeah. Just get just so I, I can I watch them watch again. That in fairness. Just, just so I could watch them again. <laughs> uh, the other thing that we learned out of that Sizzle Reel is that Captain Marvel 2 is going to be not really called Captain Marvel. It's just going to be called The Marvels. So, I mean, hopefully that will mean that we're getting a movie that is Carol Danvers, Photon, and Ms. Marvel uh, all together. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's Definitely. Exciting. I hope so. See who else they pull out of the uh, out of the pile too. You never yeah. know. And then it ended on a Phase Four quote unquote logo that looks suspiciously like a Fantastic Four logo. Yeah, they're gonna tease that oh, until. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who just doesn't really think we need to do that again? <laughs> What? Like, the, the past efforts have been so successful, see I don't know why oh, you wouldn't yeah. want more. I know, uh, I just can't get enough Silver Surfer. Can we have the Silver <laughs> Surfer played by um, Kumail Nanjiani so he can see me again? <laughs> He'll love it. Fair. It'll be great. It was, just it was double cast. We'll never be able time, to tell. So like, that, it'd be, I don't know. I would, yeah. Was Lawrence Fishburne did it? In, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was Lawrence Fishburne's voice. Christ. That's why we're never watching them, Tim. I told you outright that I'm never doing. I'm never sit through those movies again. I can't like the look of like 
I'm a hostage at gunpoint that Jessica Alba has in the second movie is just, it's too much for me. Like it, she looks so sad throughout the entire second movie. And I'm but just like, at I least on the one hand, if they do a reboot, even if it sucks, whoever plays Johnny Storm will have a great career. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exactly. only thing that will happen. It'll be Captain America soon enough. So there yeah, you go. Exactly. The other thing that was um, separate from that sizzle reel was uh, they did a little spot with Tom Hiddleston. Basically the whole point of it was just announcing that, Loki is going to air on Wednesdays instead of Fridays, which means the premiere date is moved up a couple of days to June 9th instead of June 11th. Speaking of Ooh. another Marvel fucking thing Happy that was filmed in Atlanta. That's nice. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that show looks fucking insane. So when we get it two days earlier, it'll be interesting to see how that works, though, because like, I mean, I know Mark and I have both been watching the fucking Marvel shows like the day that they drop kind of thing. So now I'll have to watch them on Wednesdays. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be getting up Wednesday mornings early and watching it as opposed to, yeah, like the Friday mornings where I'm like getting up and... I have not. I still haven't watched WandaVision. <laughs> but I'm the, I'm the sort of person who doesn't. I don't care about spoilers, really. And especially, I mean, for Falcon, like some of the stuff that was the biggest spoilers I already knew about and some I totally didn't. But like, I spoilers mm. don't really bother me. I'm the type of person, I like prequels. I like stuff like that. I like seeing how you get there, even if I already know about something that happens. So I'm not super fussed about, but Loki, I might, because I don't know anything about Loki and I feel like it's going to be wild. Yeah, so that one I might watch it looks on the so day. so weird. Like, I just can't. <laughs> and plus, you're, you're going to get to see Dragon Con in it too. I know, oh my God. <laughs> how many TV shows has the Marriott been in now? I don't know. Well, like, depends. depends. I mean, you could even make a different count for the number of movies where it showed up in the trailer, but didn't actually show up in the fucking movie. Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. <laughs> and the next things that I have to talk about are Star Wars. So, Celia, feel free to tune the fuck out. <laughs> oh, that just means both <laughs> of us get Call to me tune out it. on the air for my, my, my <laughs> indifference slash yeah, exactly. mild hatred of Star right. Wars. I'm married to somebody that's indifferent to Star Wars. So. <laughs> and, she, and his podcast co-host is kind of sick of it also. So. Um, uh, aren't but, we all at this point? I liked Star Wars at one point. I didn't like Star Wars anymore after I had to hear people yell about The Last Jedi for a year solid every single uh, day. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, see, I was over it when I saw The Phantom Menace. Like, it's, it, I, I go <laughs> oh, back to see, that. I was a kid when The Phantom Menace came out. And, like, I, like, literally, I think I was, like, 10. So it was, like, you know, that was the one that I went to see in theaters. And I liked Jar Jar Binks because I was 10. And, like, <laughs> my one thing that I do remember was that I had a paper doll book of all of Amidala's different her crazy dresses mm. from that first one and like that's one of my really early things that i remember that made me go like "Ooh, costumes yeah, so like say, i can't hate just... it i can't hate it Fair. but it is bad yeah was, the best part of, of the, the prequel trilogy is basically the, the art of books that came out of them more than anything else for me so yeah they lost me at the prequels is what i'm trying to say <laughs> mandalorian was great i love the mandalorian like that review still stands so there's but, that Either way. But, uh, yeah, so this past week was May the 4th, Star Wars Day. And so, as usual, Disney Lucasfilm put out a bunch of stuff. One that sort of lit the internet on fire was a really short video of a real-life retractable lightsaber, uh, which we already knew was coming because it had been shown at an event, like a shareholder event, but had not been like shown to the general public yet. So they have a stand-in Disney World cast member that's dressed as Rey who does the little reveal and it looks pretty fucking good. It's, you know, they're just showing it extending, but I'm fucking here for it. I mean, that's like 
the ultimate Star Wars collectible, right? Is an actual lightsaber that extends out properly and lights up and everything. So until it like falls over, like, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like we still don't know, like apparently this is basically just a couple measuring tapes that extend. And I guess they do kind of wrap around each other to an extent, which might make it a little more sturdy, but we have no idea if these things are properly battle ready. It sounds or not. expensive and fragile. <laughs> yeah. So, so for now, the only place that you're going to be able to see them where they're first going to show them and use them is at the Galactic Star Cruiser, the like fucking $900 a night or whatever Star Wars role play LARP hotel, basically. And so they're going to have like the characters, the cast members use them. So they won't be available to purchase for now, but you can fucking bet as soon as Disney can figure out a way to sell these things they will we need to start interviewing more legit people like celia so that we can get like <laughs> press passes for things like this and just... oh bull i am nowhere near that legit <laughs> oh we'll get to know what i'm saying we have to move up to into like you're you at least, I you at least work for somebody who is a professional like that's thing. it <laughs> i am gonna start somewhere we are in the toilet right now so like <laughs> step up is anything's a step we've, up we've had a jeopardy a five-day jeopardy champion uh, who also spent two times. hours championing Superman Returns on the podcast, <laughs> thus oh, kind no. of <laughs> defeating all of his credentials as a Jeopardy champion. At that I'm, I'm still not totally sure that actually happened. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm sure it happened because I edited it and it took forever. So <laughs> it just feels like one of those things that is kind of surreal and I'm not sure it actually happened. But the other stuff that got dropped for May the 4th was. Oh, we love you, Stephen. Just so we're clear, I didn't want to make sure. <laughs> I trashed him a lot of that episode too. So <laughs> was the, uh, the premiere of Bad. Batch, which is a spinoff of the final season of Clone Wars, as well as a like Simpsons spoof. I guess Family Guy doing Star Wars episodes wasn't enough, so now they have to do Simpsons fucking Star Wars crossovers too. That was called Tim. You know the guys at the Simpsons do anything for a buck. This is the Simpsons we're talking about. (laughs) I mean, if they're not out of ideas at this point, I mean, just mash together every one of our properties. Until they all just run straight into the fucking ground. That's, I mean, <laughs> Disney. It was a short called Maggie Simpson in The Force Awakens from its nap. I did not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it for that I had for May the 4th. The Muppets are getting a Halloween special on Disney Plus, And I'm really excited about it because it is Muppet Haunted Mansion. So it is crossing over the Muppets with Disney Park shit, which I already fucking love. I've been watching the classic fucking Muppet shows like the last I'm, I'm on like the Sylvester Stallone episode right now. It's just mind boggling the fucking shit that they were doing back then. But yeah, so the premise of this thing is Gonzo has to like spend a night in the Haunted Mansion and I'm sure other Muppets will end up popping up as well. Oh, I Damn it, they that. got me with Gonzo. Yeah. <laughs> Gonzo would, he belongs in the haunted. <laughs> He'll yeah, be right exactly. at home in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Let's see. In Tolkien Lord of the Rings news, in <laughs> something that should have happened a very long time ago, and I'm surprised it did not happen until now, Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd, oh. Marion Pippin from the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, are doing a podcast together because. This is like the most obvious thing for a podcast ever. If you've ever listened to any of the commentaries on any of the like Lord of the Rings, Blu-rays or DVDs. I mean, it's also just another fucking case of celebrities like taking up more Americanized air because we're definitely competing for the same audience as <laughs> Billy and Dom are. But I always thought we were competing more with Kevin Smith, but I mean, fair true. enough. That's <laughs> kind of what I was going for, but yeah, also not happening with you know no. his millions of followers and our four. Yeah, so I mean, they they have a great back and forth together, and I'm sure that will be entertaining. 
I don't know if I'll listen to it because I don't really need a whole bunch more podcasts to listen to, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm not a big podcast person. I only have like one podcast that I listen to regularly, so I might. It's this one, right? It's this one, right? It's yeah, totally it's not. That. I've never listened to this one. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> I could have told you that. I do love you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe after this experience, I will. There you go. <laughs> listen to this episode, at least. I do more things to like the one thing about sewing for a living is that you just wear headphones sometimes for 10 Constantly. or 12 hours a day and like yeah. there's only i'm one of those people who's very prone to like reruns i get especially when i'm working i'm very resistant to watching new stuff because mm-hmm. i want to be able to pay attention to it but i'm like there's only so many times i can go through like 15 seasons of law and order svu before it becomes a problem <laughs> <laughs> I need more things. fair fair uh, let's see. The Flash, which we have talked about on this podcast many times in the past, uh, is losing two of its like key cast members that have been with it like since the very beginning. Carlos Valdez, who plays Cisco Ramon, vibe, and Tom Cavanaugh, who plays, I think, pr- basically every other character on the show, more or less, like has played fucking probably 50 or more different characters from between Wells from different universes and shit. And also Zoom and other villains. Both of them are leaving the show after this season. That fucking show is winding down. It needs to be done now. Yeah, I wouldn't. Why would you keep that show going without those two characters? Yeah. Like they've been there since the start, and like the most I mean, characters. This is what always happens with shows when they're like getting close to the end. Like you know, the people like like rats off a sinking ship, right? People are like, yeah, this show isn't going to be around much longer. I need to start looking for my next thing. Yeah. I, know, I feel like everything that I care about gets canceled way before it gets to that point. So I know. It's like, I know. See, the I problem is like know. these shows, like you cared about them early on and they just went on and were so mediocre for so long that it's just like, oh, is that show still on the air? Yeah. I, I mean, good for them to still working. <laughs> we did get a little teaser for Stranger Things season four. Uh, which goes back to 11. Well, it goes back to like the facility that 11 was made in. We don't actually get to see any of the characters, but I guess it's just kind of highlighting to us that season four is going to have to do with some of the other test subjects and shit. (laughs) In other words, we know nothing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. We got a casting announcement for the Red Sonja movie. Hannah John Kamen, who played, was it Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, this is good casting. Played the the villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp, is going to be playing the the title lead, uh, Red Sonja. And yeah, everybody seems to think this is pretty good fucking casting. I know Mark's very much into that barbarian genre. It's a so. name that I know when I'm looking it up, try, try to figure out why. Oh, oh, she was in she was in Dark Crystal. Oh, yay. I love her. Oh, okay. She was uh, Maya. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think based on what I know of Red Sonja as a character, she seems like pretty good casting. No, she's excellent casting. So it, I'm I'm looking forward to this movie now. So yeah, well, so we'll see how it works out. They, they I mean they've been working on like some variety of Red Sonja movie for like ever. You know, like yeah. it's one of those things that you hear in the in background. Like, yeah, we're making a Red Sonja movie. Also, King Conan's going to happen someday. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. But I, I think this, this one sounds like it's actually moving forward. Because they had a director. Was that was this not the one that was going to be directed by one of our favorite sex pests? I think it was a Brian Singer Aaron? thing, wasn't it? A, yeah. a Singer joint at some point? Yeah. And then, oh, like, is he also a sex pest? I feel like I missed that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah he likes little, little boys. <laughs> I feel like I've just got to not be surprised anymore. 
I'm just yeah. it's you know. yeah. Yeah, we did <laughs> Superman Returns with him and Kevin Spacey. It was uh, we just we just referred to them both as sex pests the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing nobody listens to this podcast. We're gonna get sued. <laughs> oh, you can get hey, you can't sue us. I've never worked true. for him. <laughs> yeah, the director on this project is now uh, Jill Soloway. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to this. So good. Actually, sorry, it's Joey Soloway. Director. Oh, no, not a lady director. They are uh, non-binary. Uh, they, oh. yeah, jo- Joey Soloway. Cool. That's, yeah. We normally wouldn't talk about pirate stuff, but Taika's involved in it, so we're going to. Taika is going to be playing Blackbeard in a pirate comedy on HBO Max called Our Flag Means Death. I'm here for that. <laughs> I, I'm extremely here for that. Given my love of uh, what we do in the shadows, I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. That. If it's oh, if it's man. anything like what we do in the shadows, yeah, like or, a pirate version of what we do in the shadows. Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, have you been watching um, Wellington Paranormal? Also excellent. No, I've seen a little of it, but my it was um, a friend was trying to kind of like stream it over Zoom or something, and the sound was mm-hmm. real messed up, and I I couldn't understand a word of it. Um, but I do want to go back and watch it. I the bits I caught were funny. They're going to start airing it on something, aren't they? Yeah, I can't remember where, but there's some somewhere in the U.S. has just got uh, rights to start airing it. Uh, I think it's F- FX or something like that. The newest season aired in New Zealand already because I grabbed it. I haven't yeah. watched it yet. But yeah, I think the actual reason why you couldn't understand them wasn't because of the Zoom thing. It was because of their accents. Like they, no, they, they, no, the, the two no, mates no. Had, like, it was the, the Zoom thickest. thing. Like, I, you couldn't <laughs> hear. It was like breaking up constantly i know that sure. like I, the characters were in the movie like i know what they sound yeah. like but oh, yeah. it really it was like h- how we were having an audio problem yeah <laughs> well like the paranormal is hilarious like it's not as funny to me as what we do in shadows but it's definitely a nice supplement to yeah. what we do in shadows so yeah. for those yeah, in between I, love the the, I love the show of what we do in the shadows too i'm excited oh man that show just i still want to cosplay me. the uh the tilda swinton character who is just yes this is tilda right the, yeah. the leader of the vampiric council that yeah. was still yeah. That was my favorite episode, like Wesley Snipes and the obvious interview with the vampire thing where they were down. In the oh, wall. the jokes oh about Brad God. and Tom all over the best. Yeah, Mark's Mark's got a whole thing with the gay vampires. So I do, I do very much so <laughs> with the Anne shit. Hey, I like. Let me put it this way: the Vampire Chronicles is a great trilogy, and that's it. <laughs> there aren't any more books. You can see Mark doing math in his head right now. I'm like, yeah. There are so yeah. many more books than that. I'm saying there those are, are the three that uh, you should actually read. books now. Yeah, just, <laughs> I, yeah I, I'm a big, like, just read the first three. And if you like them, uh, four and five are good. If you like the first three, Four usually. was okay. I skipped five. Five and then can I be a little weird. Six but... and six was weird. And then the last thing that I had is that Paramount Plus is going to be dumping a bunch of shit that they were going to be releasing in theaters, basically onto their streaming service, one movie a week. And it's going to be some like decently big stuff and some like genre stuff, stuff like quiet place, part two, that top gun sequel that Maverick. Yeah. Maverick that I guess somebody wanted. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, also the GI Joe snake eyes movie are all going to be coming to Paramount plus in the U S anyways, who the fuck knows where they're going to come to Canada. (laughs) Because I don't think Paramount Plus is in Canada. I don't uh, have much like pressing need to see any of those movies right away. So yeah. that's totally fine. I want to see totally a Quiet Place. Uh, yeah, Quiet Place. And I'm, I'm assuming Mission Impossible is at Paramount, I believe. So like, I, w- I would, if they're going to do the next, I know they're working on Mission Impossible. 
eight. I want to say, but yeah, I remember the the set audio of fucking Tom Cruise losing it on people for not oh, about the COVID stuff. Shit. Yeah, man, or not, or not, oh, like, not yeah. keeping their distance or whatever. I know. Yeah. On the one hand, yeah. I was like, "Don't abuse your crew," but on the other hand, I've seen so much shit on of just people doing stuff yeah. at work they shouldn't be doing that I was a little like, yeah, get you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't want to be yelled at like that, but I've been following the COVID regulations, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was all the news I had. Celia, cover your ears because you're going to have to listen to a sting because it's time for Geek of the Week! Which is a segment where each of us talks about the nerdiest thing we've done in the past week or so. Uh, so let's go to our special guest, Celia, first. What is your Geek of the Week? Oh no, how embarrassing is this supposed to be? (laughs) They can be pretty fucking embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Um, I have watched the new Mortal Kombat movie more than once. (laughs) Why? Maybe maybe, uh, possibly wrote fan fiction about it. Nice. I think that's going to be the most embarrassing one possibly ever. Did you write some Liu Kang fanfic? (laughs) Celia... Even what? though I'm in Facebook jail, I've still been like following oh, what everybody's been posting no, on Facebook. Look, that was so not I saw Celia a... like loving on He's on so... the, the Liu, new Liu Kang. <laughs> but no, that was just I don't know why people are being so shitty to him. I liked him. I think it's because the movie was. <laughs> oh, the plot of the movie quality. was a hot mess. Total. Oh my mess. god! But I still enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed I mean, it more than schlock of like the first order. Like, <laughs> but it's yeah, it was not great so fair enough i still <laughs> I, hope, once, I hope it gets a sequel i feel like it would have automatically gotten a sequel if it wasn't covid times but like just like it's it's made its budget back at least which a lot of stuff hasn't lately but it's still yeah, not going to make the money that like just kind of an easy like go see this action movie would have so i feel like it's a little i don't know i hope it does though it's totally a movie I would have gone to see in the theaters, like if I was bored on like a Wednesday night or something like that. Like I was like, oh, I'll just go see oh, more. Yeah, Kombat we always would go out, on Tuesdays because you know, the tickets are discounted. Cheap night, yeah, yeah. At NCG. Yep. 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 But uh, all right, all right, y'all, Mark. y'all better be embarrassing too, then. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what, Mark, what's your geek of the week? Mine's not embarrassing. It's just, I mean, it's embarrassing if you're the people who produced Jupiter's Legacy because I watched. <laughs> The Netflix show. The embarrassing yesterday. part is that you kept watching it after you were telling us how fucking terrible it I was. I know. I watched four episodes and I started talking to the guys about, like, I'm not enjoying this. And, like, I don't know why I expected the guy who was the lead in the Transformers movies to be a better actor all of a sudden. But, like, there's <laughs> that. I, what yeah. was that? Because my first Josh, thing I saw it and I was like, did they make a sequel to Jupiter Ascending? Because that would be no. terrible. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? That's what this was. <laughs> oh it's based God. on a Mark Millar uh, comic uh, written by Frank Quite or drawn by drawn Frank by Frank Quitely. Oh, yeah, written by Mark like Miller. <laughs> I find him too cynical. I'm like I, I'm hit or miss on his stuff. Usually, the reason why I go in for Mark Miller stuff is because he works with the best artists on the planet. So what ended up happening was like I read Jupiter's Legacy, knowing this was a Netflix show that was coming out. So I picked up the two trades and like read through them and was like, oh, this is like it's fine. This story's fine. Man, Frank quietly can draw people getting ripped apart and stuff and looks real pretty. <laughs> so like that was cool. So I was like, I wonder how violent this show's gonna be. And I was like, it, it didn't even quite hit like boys levels. And like it, the production doesn't hold together super well. And like the costumes, I was like, oh, this is all very disappointing. And then they had their first superhero fight. And like <sighs> 
it looked like bad CW. And I was like, ah. I feel like the standards for superhero stuff are just were so much higher than they used to it's be. It's so high now. Yeah, yeah you and your and Marvel like, shit are really fucking driving that uh, oh, bar up. It's right not, now. well, it's not just Marvel, though. I know you yeah. said you guys really loved um, Watchmen and stuff like that. That's not Marvel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, the look of the DC but, movies has been acceptable for the most part. Like, I mean, yeah, we blew the shit out of Man of Steel's effects. Yeah, like the effects on those movies have been solid, and like, what were we? There's not even just that, but like the boys was excellent last year. Like both yeah. the effects on the boys have held together a lot nicer. I was just like, I thought this was going to be a little bit more fun than it was, and it ended up they took the plot of the first trade paperback and stretched it out so that it seems Oof. like the first trade is going to take up two seasons of TV. So like six issues of comic are now going to go across, I guess, sixteen episodes of television, and I'm just like, this is way too much yeah dragging this out and i'm not coming back for a second year but i did watch the whole thing i was really baked i guess like <laughs> the only explanation i have was like i was too stoned to pick something else and i was kind of in the loop of it you know what it was uh kurtwood smith is it kurtwood smith his name uh red from 70s show oh, he was yeah. the president of the federation in one of the star trek movies too he shows up like halfway through the series and just does this like super amazing barn burner like performance for like 10 minutes and it kind of caught me again. I was like, Oh, that was really good. Maybe I'll stick around a little longer. So I stuck around a little bit longer because of that. And then I was like, Oh, that, that was the highlight. <laughs> that was it. It's all downhill. It's like your abusive here. spouse bought you a fucking nice dinner. So you're like, maybe I'll stick around for another oh. couple weeks. I mean, to be fair. And to be fair, it's only <laughs> like, it was eight hours and not even really like it was eight episodes and they were like 40 minutes a piece. So I kind of burned through it. And, yeah. but I mean, honestly, I watched last year and I blame this on COVID because I think we all blame it on COVID. But like (laughs) after having actually watched all of Tiger King, I feel like I can never blame, like never judge somebody for sitting through utter garbage and not turning it off again. Oh, God. And, like, also, Tim, some of the crap you watch. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, that it's going to be complete dog shit. At least this was fresh and there was no reviews when I sat down to start it. I was just like, oh, this I watched like crap, both fucking we're... seasons of Cloak yes. and Dagger. And yes. it was just, I, I fucking always, like, if I download something, like, and, like, it's sitting on my hard drive, I'm like, well, I got to fucking watch this. I, like, spent the bandwidth to download it. Stupid fucking reasoning, but yeah, you have the, that's the yeah, worst that's reason to watch a, something. That's not even an I spent money on this thing. This like. is true. This is true. I'm doing it right now with fucking Krypton season two as well. It's it's <sighs> one of the it's just the shit I'm like putting on in the background while I'm working for like I white can't. noise just to fucking even. burn through it. Right. Otherwise, See, I'd be watching do that, YouTube but videos. I'm still like, oh, I might miss something, so then I just watch the same shit over and over again. <laughs> I'd rather just rewatch Daredevil again than watch like any of Krypton after that. Yeah, I watched the pilot, fair. so. Yeah, either way. I yeah, I watched Jupiter's Legacy. I would recommend the comic because Frank Whiteley just draws the shit out of it, but the the TV show. <laughs> Unfortunately, not exactly, you know, replacing Invincible in my heart right now. So fair enough. Uh my geek of the week, I did celebrate May the 4th by watching the premiere of The Bad Batch on Disney Plus. And it was a pretty strong premiere. It fleshed out one of the most spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, uh fleshed out like one of the most impactful moments of the prequel trilogy the execution of order 66 where like the clone troopers are ordered to like kill all the jedi and so these are like a for anybody that didn't watch the last season of clone wars these uh the bad batch is a defective quote-unquote uh batch of clones that uh have been like bred for 
specific purposes. So they're, you know, they don't look exactly the same as all the other clones. And part of that is that they don't have the same like susceptibility or programming to go along with those commands. So you get to see what happened when they got the order and the other like normal clones that they were with got the order to execute order 66 and they had a couple of Jedi near them. So that was kind of interesting. And then you get also get to see them like trying to figure out like what's gone on with all of all their brothers and shit that are just like, have had a fucking switch flip now. And now they're like the only ones that sort of realize like something fucky's going on. So there's some, some cool like uh, guest appearances, like Tarkin's in it a bunch. Saw Gerrera from Rogue One is in it. That is kind of like a cameo role. One of the lead characters from, is it Rebels or Resistance? I can't remember. Kanan Jarrus, who's like one of the Jedi that survives Order 66. You get to see him like as a kid, seeing how he survived Order 66 in this, like with the help of the Bad Batch and stuff. So it was cool. If you like Clone Wars, you will like this. So it, the only thing now is seeing like how much of it holds up as like Clone Wars ended up having a whole bunch of fucking filler episodes and shit like that. So hopefully this doesn't do quite as much of that because that's where I kind of lost the plot to an extent with Clone Wars. But yeah, so but at least the premiere was good. <laughs> so you guys didn't embarrass yourselves at all. Why did you make me go first? <laughs> <laughs> that's quite all right. It's it's part of our strategy to disarm oh, you since we're no. about to we're about to uh, grill you with very in depth questions. Not really <laughs> question mark. All right, so now it's time for our meat of the episode: sewing things to cover the meat. <laughs> oh God! Now you've made it weird, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> had to make it weird. It's what I do. It's what I'm here for. It is. So yeah, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Celia worked on Falcon and the Winter Soldier doing uh, as a uh, stitcher, basically fabricating costumes. So it's not often that we get to talk to somebody that has fucking actually worked on an MCU thing. So I'd been talking to Celia for a while about, you know, having them come on after the series was done airing. So this is that time. Celia, could you maybe start out just by telling us some of the biggest things that you've worked on overall in your costuming career that some of our listeners might know about? So, oh goodness. Well, so obviously Falcon was one of them. I guess I'm allowed to say this now since we are done filming, but, and it's on my IMDb, which (laughs) they let me put it on my IMDb. Um, So I did also work on the Miss Marvel series, which is upcoming. I can't tell you guys anything about that. Other than nope. that, I think it's going to be great. Oh, I'm very excited <laughs> about it. But um, yeah, we're super stoked about no that. No questions too, so. about that. The mouse will come for me. <laughs> I have done some work also on Stranger Things. I was never full time there. It was just like uh, during the last season, whenever I was between other stuff, I would always somehow end up back there. <laughs> I did a series for Netflix called Teenage Bounty Hunters, where I was the lead tailor for that. That was a lot of fun. I'm really bummed that that one got canceled. But bunch of bunch of other stuff um, just here and there. I also worked on for a few months, this was my COVID job, um, Am- the Amazon series, The Underground Railroad, which is not a nerdy thing, but um, that's coming oh, out yeah. later this month, I think. Mm-hmm. That was the one that I was on. I started there January of 2020. And was still there when we shut down and eventually came back. We were able to come back and finish it. But we were out for almost six months. That was crazy. Yeah. Nice. So 
I know I kind of know parts of the story, but I'm sure our listeners would be interesting to hear. Uh, how did you get into costuming one sort of in general? Because uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but Celia also does a ton of awesome fucking cosplay work. One of the most accomplished cosplayers that, that I know for sure. Probably the one of definitely. I'm just thinking of like Josh right here. <laughs> I was going to say, I am not in fairness. I am, not a co- I am not a computer like... I don't do cosplay to be accomplished, (laughs) but, but yeah. So how did you get into costuming in general? And then overall, how did you get into it as a career? So, I mean, I've always been, I've been, you know, making my Halloween costumes since I was a kid. And I, I feel like actually it was like the early influences for me were like anime and Lord of the Rings and Phantom Menace and just all (laughs) this stuff that had really crazy costumes. But I'm so mad. I've been looking. There's a photo I I know exists of when I was the kid version of Princess Zelda from Ocarina of Time when oh, I was nice. like 12 that I made myself. And she had that little thing on her head and we like fabric painted the little Triforce on it. And I'm so mad because I want to I want to make the adult version of that now and do like a side by side. That photo is just gone. <laughs> so just, you know, have been making costumes for a long time. And actually, I considered majoring it in school, and I ended up going with performing arts instead. And I still do some of that. Just still tangential. Not as a career, yeah. But well, I'm sure you were still around costuming and people oh, yeah, doing definitely. costuming and stuff like that during your education too. Yeah, and I was teaching myself during college. I was teaching myself how to sew because I used to find my mom's sewing machine very intimidating. I still don't like that sewing machine, in fairness, and it doesn't like <laughs> me either. But I was teaching myself how to sew because I just really, that was something that I wanted to be able to do. I think my first costume that I personally like, rather than, I started out, you know, getting stuff from the thrift store and modifying it and adding to it. And I think the first thing that I made completely from scratch on my own was maybe 2013, I, it really wasn't in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't that long ago. And I just really, after I got out of school and the theater stuff kind of wasn't working and I just had a lot of time and was working and working and, and finding that sewing was something that I really loved. And sure. So when the, when the Hobbit movies came out, I ended up making one of the dwarf costumes and this, that was kind of the biggest thing I had ever made. Which dwarf? Nori with the crazy hair. <laughs> I know that costume is so impressive, but I learned to make hair pieces and I made myself like a muscle, uh, like fat suit, like the foam suits that they wore and made all the learned leather work and learned all this stuff. And there was a woman who is the artistic director and costume designer of one of the haunted houses here, uh, the, the haunted house really here in Atlanta. Who that be Netherworld? Uh, yeah, of Netherworld. I've who, definitely mentioned Netherworld on the. Okay, yeah. <laughs> who kind of we were friends because she was also a dwarf cosplayer. Oh, it's Jane, right? Jane, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, I, I just was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Uh, this isn't working. And she offered me a job at Netherworld, so I went and I worked for her for a season, and she pushed me to try film. You know, I knew that there was a film industry here. I actually, during that period when I had been 
kind of between not not really knowing what's going on. I had been an extra for a while. Um, I, I'm actually in I'm actually in uh, Civil War. You there's a spot where you can see my face from way back in the Mark day. Mark just perked up. But um, yeah, it's, in <laughs> it's the like scene Mark's where, favorite fucking MCU movie. Oh my gosh, where where Tony is given the speech to all the students at the beginning, and he's like, "I paid for all your grants or whatever," and they're like, "Yay!" Like <laughs> there's a clear shot of my face, and it's in profile, so you can see my huge nose. <laughs> But so I so I was already acquainted with the film world here in Atlanta, but she was kind of like, I feel like this is something you could do. You should try it. And I was able to, you know, get the money together to join our union. And I still had to it took me a while to be able to get consistent work. I worked um, in some industry adjacent kind of businesses for a while, just starting to finally learn to sew from people who knew what they were doing rather than my just me figuring it the hell out. There was there was this whole period where I really had to learn how to tailor rather than just making cosplay stuff, just making it up the way that it would like as long as it comes out looking right, you know, who cares? And I was like, no, I gotta learn to do this correctly. But eventually through just a lot of hardworking and a lot of networking and I, you know, I was eventually able to get my foot in and there was kind of a tipping point in maybe late 2018, very like, yeah, it's fall 2018, I think, where I think I finally hit my point and I've just been working ever since. Nice. That's awesome. So yeah, there you go, listeners. Don't give up on your dreams. You can do that shit. <laughs> Don't give up. But also there was a lot of luck in being in the right place at the right time involved. I'm not going to lie. The industry here yeah. is crazy. <laughs> so before we sort of uh, really get in and start drilling down into your work on Falcon the Winter Soldier, we reviewed the show last week on uh, on our episode. Do you want to start out get by giving us sort of your overall shots or thoughts on the show, like a, your own like mini review of Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yeah, so it's uh, it's funny that his, your favorite is uh, Civil War because I'm the opposite. I usually would. No, no. I mean, I, I like. I don't think the MCU has ever put anything out that I've just hated, but the ones that really appeal to me tend to be the more fantastical ones. I really like the Thor movies. I like the Guardians like of the Guardians Galaxy movies, or... the ones that are, you know, governments and and military and guns and all that are usually not the ones Intrigued. that I get super into. Like, like yeah. they're good. Even like like Winter Soldier and Civil War, were like they were objectively very good, but I don't think I've watched either of them more than once. Winter Soldier is the one, actually, though, Tim. It's not Civil War. I, oh, I go Winter Soldier is the one that I prefer. <laughs> Civil War is like an Avengers movie. Like it's yeah, great, true. but it's not exactly like the uh, the small Captain America and Winter Soldier story spy and spy shit that you all yeah, that spy see, shit. Bores me to death. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I grew up on James Bond novels, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but no, I actually I really enjoyed this. I, I thought it was good. There were a couple parts that I was like, I I have so much sewing to do this weekend. Like I, there were a couple parts where I I should have been paying better attention and <laughs> lost things a little bit. <laughs> but um, I really I like Anthony Mackie a lot. He was the part that I was really excited about, just about um, getting to see more of his character and. I thought the fact that superheroes don't get paid was a uh, wild. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, that's, I kept that's thinking like Marvel. That's yeah. an old Marvel thing, no, though, right? Like Spidey. Spidey's always can't that's pay his true. bills. He's and stuff, right? Broke. Like that's just exactly. It's just like a Marvel thing where, like, now if they're not yeah. broke, then they're not. He like, can 
Spidey can pay his fucking bills now. Yeah. But like I mean, the character yeah. stuff, I thought was I. I'm the this type of person who characters will get me to care. Like if you do certain things with characters that I like, you can get me to care about anything, no matter how stupid. So I got into Mortal Kombat hell, apparently. Like, <laughs> and it doesn't matter how dumb it is. If you can compel me with the characters, that's all I care about. Hey, I like the games. I'm I'm on board with Mortal Kombat. Just like I. <laughs> I was just so aghast at how different it was from what I was expecting oh, from see, the, I the, like the years games. of game canon. See, I like the games, but I'm not invested enough in the game canon to care that it was different. Well, I just play them, <laughs> so like I know what the story is. So when yeah, I see no, the movies I mean, I and they're too, not that, I'm but like, I would like whatever. <laughs> There's this is not like me trying to watch a Tolkien adaptation and being like, this is wrong. <laughs> this is like I don't care. Um, no, that's what I do to the Marvel movies. So is yeah. that. Yeah, well, yeah, they are Marvel movies are all very different too. But, but yeah, the stuff with you know Bucky kind of trying to reestablish his, figure out what to do with his freedom, and then Sam figuring out his place in the world and all that, I thought was very fun. And I also really liked, God, what was her name? The I guess villain. We couldn't we couldn't fucking remember the uh, Carly, but it's the uh, the flag smasher girl. I I thought that was a really compelling kind of gray area morally character i i liked her but also for me my one of my favorite comic runs um is young avengers so i was super excited to see isaiah and elijah bradley and see one more step of them setting up that team as they have been because most of the first wave of young avengers characters have shown up by now i think except teddy but they're doing, is it Secret Invasion or one of them? Something yep, Secret Invasion. Uh, it's so Secret I, Invasion. I feel he like show, hopefully, he'll show up. Yeah, that would he'll be an optimal time to, to bring him in. So I'm yeah. very excited to hopefully see my little baby team come to the screen <laughs> soon. Yeah, that's kind of been one of the things we've been talking about about that show is that like, or at least all these shows now, especially after WandaVision set up Wiccan mm-hmm. and Speed. Yeah. And it's like, well, they're just setting up new Avengers now. So like yeah, my new pet theory. Now. I know, but I love Well, them. I mean, but the, the end of it is them calling to her, right? To come get them out of wherever they're stuck in like the this nether realm or whatever. Yeah. So like that, they're, yeah, they're hinting that those characters are coming back. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, That's okay. I, should, like yeah, I said, I've seen cool. every spoiler. I will. I just haven't had, I, I basically watched Falcon like for this. I just have not had time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we've been, we've been talking about the Young Avengers stuff like crazy though. Cause I'm, my, my new pet theory is that like all this Spider-Man three stuff with like the old Spider-Man coming in is just, it's smoke screen for them to introduce Miles. Cause they got to uh, get Miles and Young Avengers too. Is that too, even like, like a real thing? Cause I thought that was just a rumor and then it wasn't a real thing. They're bringing back, what's his name is Alfred Molina is Doc. Yeah. Ock. Alfred Molina's confirmed. Like he's in the movie. Like, huh. Yeah. He went off and like, he went off the reservation and like, but then, <laughs> totally but then Andrew Garfield this week said he wasn't, but fucking, yeah, uh, I thought that what, that what's her name from Orphan Black off. also said she wasn't fucking She-Hulk and that mm-hmm. was a fucking lie. So yeah. True. <laughs> okay. But no, I thought it was good. I liked it. Nice. Yeah, we were both pretty happy with it overall, too. Oh, yeah, I was very happy with it. So yeah. can you tell us a bit about how you landed this gig in particular? Like what the process was oh, for boy. you to get hired on Falcon and Winter Soldier? <laughs> both assume there is a process. <laughs> it, actually, so I, what actually happened, I'm not going to name a show name on this, but I actually was hired on a different Marvel project while I was still on Teenage Bounty Hunters. And it started a couple months later and it was one of those crazy, the thing about, about film is the process of hiring and all that. It's so informal. 
I haven't sent a resume or done an interview. It's just people, you know, call you and they're like, come work on this. So I had been hired on this <laughs> other project. And what ended up happening was that by the time I was done with Teenage Bounty Hunters, I think, I don't know if they started early, but they basically had had to hire somebody else. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't their fault. They didn't mean it wasn't an intentional thing, but I, you know, I was on like my last day of that and had this kind of panic moment of like, oh, I, I don't have a job anymore all of a sudden. like, And so I went to, oh, I went to Ozark to just help them out for a couple of days. And the team lead, Taylor from Falcon Winter Soldier, posted, I think, a thing on Facebook or something that was like, oh, we need, and I didn't even, didn't even know what the project was. It was just, I know her and was like, we need help. And a couple back and forth phone calls later, I had the job. Like it's nice. it's so not whatever you like whatever you think it is. Um, <laughs> to go to in with be a big like, portfolio oh, this is a high profile, but, but no. Yeah. It's like I think we've talked about a little bit about it because of like what I do, like as an illustrator, is kind of the same thing. Where like resumes, like I just applied for a job that will like actually required me to have a resume and like paperwork ready, and I was like. <laughs> What are you guys talking about? Like, I'm a freelance <laughs> illustrator. Like, like I have a portfolio, resume, right? but I, I yeah, think maybe yeah. Underground Railroad asked for it, but they still, that was still because I already yeah. knew somebody that they'd gotten my name. Like, they have a thing for film where you can, like, cold send people resumes. I don't think anyone ever looks at them. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you said, this was the first time you'd worked on an MCU property, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so as... I mean, as our listeners can already tell with you, like dropping some of your like favorite Marvel runs and stuff like that, you're a decently sized Marvel fan, one of the bigger Marvel fans that I know. Um, So what was it like for you to get to work on an MCU property, having that history in your fandom? Gosh, it was wild. I mean, for for reference, I was on this show for about two months. So I was not there. I was there for the big kind of chunk of when we were building the main stuff, but I was not there the whole time. Whereas the other project I mentioned, I was full time the whole time. But it, so I kind of came in in the middle when things were already rolling a little bit. It was very, I mean, (laughs) I feel like I'm one of those, you know, imposter syndrome people where anytime you kind of, you walk into the first day and you're like, who let me? Like and and this was definitely somebody's gonna figure out I'm not supposed to be here. Seriously though, (laughs) like I'm trying to get over that, but this one was definitely. I think you're okay. I saw. I looked at the suit real close. It looks pretty good. So (laughs) oh my gosh, well yeah, I'm like "Hmm, I did that stitch right there and that one over there. (laughs) Uh, Trust me, I'm the guy who spends a lot of time even looking at the photos of the costumes just because like I'm. Like, I'm going to draw this eventually. I should know what this looks like. And then. Oh, my God. I think the first thing. There was so much work into these things now. (laughs) The first things I got handed on my first day were a pair of pants for Sebastian and then a jacket thing for Sharon Carter. And they were both like, uh, we weren't building those. It was just alterations and stuff. But I just had this moment of like, um, (laughs) blue screen (laughs) a little bit. Like, oh, this is, this is about to be real. And, and this was, this was a, this was a challenging job. It very much so in terms of just the workload and the hours and whatnot. Like we really had to, it, we, we had a challenge before us to get everything done. And I, I was very impressed that we managed to do it because it's a lot. What, when people don't realize 
kind of how these things go together. It's like there's a million of everything <laughs> and it's yeah. just, it's crazy. So let's stop teasing our listeners. Celia, tell us like the, the big pieces that you worked on for Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier. So, so we had two teams for Falcon. The super suit team made Sam's stuff and John Walker's stuff. And that was the, the California based team, right? That was the California based team. And then the Atlanta based team, big, the biggies that we did obviously were Bucky's costumes and then we, I didn't do anything with Zemo, but one of the guys on our team did Zemo. Um, and then we basically just, it was like that we were the everything else team. So any, we were, we were kind of constantly making, working on assembling Bucky's pieces, but then also any extras, any other regular actors, normal clothes that needed tailoring. That stuff was all us. Uh, there were four of us on that team at the time that I was there. So we had a lot coming through. One of the early things that I saw that was an early thing that I worked on was the when they have John Walker back at his high school and they have that marching band. That was something we had <laughs> oh, yeah. to we had to sew stuff like all patches marching band and, oh, wow. and all this stuff onto all these um, marching band <laughs> uniforms. I was like, oh, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> So in case our listeners missed that, one of the things Celia got to work on was Bucky's full-on fucking super suit. It, it's you know it's actually not considered a super suit. It, it's and it really mm. having having now worked on something that is a bit more of a super suit. It's really not a super suit. It's basically just a real complicated leather jacket. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, man, it was certainly the most it was certainly the most complicated garment I had ever had a hand in. And I, I'm trying to emphasize like this stuff is a team effort. And I was like, I was the baby. I was the baby of the team. I was the bottom rung of the team. <laughs> so it was like our fantastic lead person was the one who was, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to say any of our, our crew members names. I don't know if they would want that, but you know, she's the one who was patterning this thing and, God, those all this MCU stuff has so many pieces. It's it's crazy. <laughs> However many pieces you think it has, it has more pieces than that. <laughs> but you know, she was the one patterning this and adjusting the fit and kind of doling out stuff. And and this stuff literally goes together like an assembly line. Like you just get. I think Bucky's main jacket. He had maybe six or seven of them. Because you've got to make them for stunt people and you've got to make them for when they wear both for stunt doubles and when they wear harnesses and stuff, they'll cut holes in them. And, right. you for know, the, there's the or if they have to get dirty or bloody. Uh, God, another show I did, we made, I think we only ended up making seven. We thought we were going to have to make 10 of this 1880s oh, gown. Because it was like there was a riding double and a stunt double, and then a different character wore it, and then it got blood oh, on the, it, and like was that oh, the Dolly Parton yes, show? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, that was that was another that was wild. <laughs> so you just answered one of the other questions I was going to ask was like how many different versions of, in particular, the sort of quote unquote hero suits that there were. I think it was about six. Yeah. And so you said there are sort of different versions. So like, how do they differ? Like, how does a stunt version differ from like a close up, like one shot hero suit I mean, kind of generally, version? Generally, they're going to be sewn the same. Like when 
like I was saying, I would be given, you know, you're never, it's never like, I mean, I guess sometimes, but in this case, it wasn't here, you're going to make this jacket. It was here, here is a pile of this one piece that goes on to this one other piece. And it's all six <laughs> of them. And it's, it's basically a big assembly line where you're just putting together the small pieces into bigger pieces until eventually they can be assembled into a real thing. But you know, I mean, most of the finishing was pretty much the same. Like Marvel is pretty, you know, high end and they they really care what their stuff looks like. So there wasn't a point where we were ever skimping on the appearance, but you do have to make accommodations in size, whether for stunt doubles who may be a different size or right. like I said, for stuff like harnesses or padding, if they have to go flying around and hitting stuff, they may have to wear safety padding under it. So it may have to be bigger to accommodate for that or it may have to you may have to put an opening or something in it to let something go in there if there's an effect i think you were going to ask about the tearaway arm yes, that yes, was also something exactly. that had to be like rigged up okay did you have anything to do with that so for our listeners that it's that shot in the plane where bucky and sam are about to fucking do an airdrop like it's like things like second episode or something like that and bucky does like a really dramatic effect like tear away of one sleeve he's like i don't need sleeves i have a metal arm i do i remember the day when they were like oh he's gonna have to tear the sleeve off but the thing (laughs) is that so then we had to build another sleeve because we'd only she'd only pattern one sleeve (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things where when you're working on these things, like, you know, for something like Teenage Bounty Hunters, where I was the tailor on that show, it wasn't, it was not a team, it was a small show with contemporary clothes. It was basically, other than a couple weeks where I had help because we were busy, it was basically just me. So for something like that, I would be kind of fully in the know and I would be sent scripts as they were released and revised and revised again. (laughs) And... (laughs) So for that, you kind of have a better idea of what's going on. But when you're on a big team with something like this, and especially with Marvel, they ver- they keep stuff like scripts down to only the people who need them because they yeah. don't want things to get released or leaked. Well, they can't even trust their actors a lot of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, so like, really. fucking Ruffalo's like fucking live streaming <laughs> premieres from his pocket and shit. And Tom Holland is just giving yeah. everything away and every. I've been watching like my secret YouTube like shame pile or whole well, lately has been like uh, the <laughs> MCU cast shitting on Tom Holland for not being able to like keep spoilers. And like I love Tom Holland, but like it's just funny watching like Anthony Mackie just be like boy, boy's a punk. Like nobody likes him. Like you gotta get rid of him. He's spoiling shit for everybody. Like, just get rid of this kid. Oh my gosh, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, but uh, so for stuff like that, I mean, and you don't. You know, you don't have any of that. You don't need any of that because all you're going to be doing is whatever your your cutter fitter yeah. or your leader gives you. So you'll hear things like that, like, oh, he's going to do blah, blah, blah. But you don't know what the context is. You have no idea what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> like, I, you know, I knew things about this show while we were there. Obviously, I knew, like, it was funny when people were talking about how much they hated john walker and they were like this guy can't be the new captain america and i was like y'all have to know that isn't of course how not. this is gonna end. like come on because yeah i had seen sam's suit obviously just from being there and existing i mean the comics were enough giveaway for most of the us more I details thought, right? of the so. plot and stuff like that you, they were like oh he's gonna tear his sleeve off why i don't know <laughs> so i don't know if i had i don't you know, it was like we were just putting pieces together at that point. I don't 
have any idea who did the specific rigging for that but right <laughs> but i do remember when we were like oh crap we gotta make the opposite sleeve <laughs> <laughs> So while we're talking about, you know, actually like fitting and making pieces and stuff like that, did you ever get to do actual like fittings on the quote unquote talent on the actors at all? Not on this show. That's generally going to be the person who is doing the patterning and all of that stuff. So when you're a stitcher on a team like this, no, generally you're not going to be doing fittings. Whereas, I mean, I did do some stuff like that on extras and stuff occasionally like if they would need somebody to go do stuff last minute but the main actors know that's going to be the people who are in charge of all of that whereas again on something like teenage bounty hunters then i was doing all the fittings because i was in charge in that so i know that a bunch of this was filmed well i mean some was filmed like in various spots around atlanta like i saw the fucking crock street tunnel was like starring role in this fucking movie but did you ever get to do any of this stuff did you ever get to spend much time on set or were you basically just working down at the pinewood studios down uh, south of atlanta i was mostly in the studio there i did go to set here and there like a couple times just when we would have like i remember the day that we filmed the marching band i had to go to set because we were getting people last minute and there was like Mm. little bits and bobs that weren't on stuff yet a dart here a dart there that needed yeah to be sewn in. but since yeah. i was kind of the sort of the newest person in the floater and the rest of the folks on our team were kind of more absorbed in bigger projects it was easiest to send me so there were a couple of days where i did do that but not not as much as i have on other sh- there are, there have been shows where i have like talking about stranger things i have spent a good chunk of time on the set for stranger things but this one was mostly just in the studio you talked about you know the fact that they compartmentalize everything so heavily so i mean obviously one of the biggest surprises on the show was julia louis dreyfus's role like that, that she was on the show at all and then oh, yeah, the i knew fact- nothing about that yeah, Zero. so you were totally 100% well, of the dark. It got, any- spo- it got spoiled before I saw the show because it took me so long to see the show. But <laughs> I still don't, I don't know who that character is, though, like from the comics. Mark and Toy. Yeah, you probably can. I, I, so that it, she was funny, but it didn't really mean anything to me because I'm not sure who that character was. Yeah, she's from the old, like, Shield Nick Fury stuff from like the 60s and 70s. Ah. Uh, Contessa, I can't even remember the name Valentina now. I had it written down for the episode because, yeah. yeah, yeah. But she's the one that, or Allegra de Fontaine or something like that. She's, Allegra de Fontaine, yeah. Isn't she the one that initially organizes the Thunderbolts? No, that's Maria Hill. Oh, right. Why, why are you saying that she was involved with Thunderbolts then? She's, she, I'm saying she, this is this version of her is probably like, like if they're going to do Thunderbolts or Dark mm-hmm. Avengers, it, like they're going to have US agent in it. I mean, that sounds like she's going to be in the middle of it. That's what my take on it was. But uh, yeah, it, sound, it seems like they're framing her to be like the sketchy fucking version of Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah absolutely. The, moral, the morally ambiguous. Well, I mean, Nick Fury's already kind of morally ambiguous, but like the even more morally ambiguous <laughs> version of Nick Fury. <laughs> In the comics, she's a former lover slash former shield agent turned turned triple agent. Like she was Madame Hydra for a hot minute and like that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that character's been around for a long time. It's just awesome that it was Julie Louis Dreyfus because yeah, I enjoy I love her Veep in the show. Very it's exciting. Funny. So oh, yeah, she was having so much fun. Couldn't find oh, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when she was she was doing the like, or am I? Or I'm not. But or am I? <laughs> or whatever that was. <laughs> that was very funny. See, so you already mentioned that you did actually get to see Sam's Captain America suit mm-hmm. uh, while you're working. Like, what other costumes did you get to see during filming that you didn't actually work on? 
I mean, we were all in the same room, so okay. I was able to see the stuff that LA folks were working on. I didn't, a lot of that was when they were doing John Walker. I didn't know who that character was either. So I was like, who oh, okay. making this other captain? Like, I guess I could have Googled the character, but I just, I, I just was like, I'll find out someday. I don't know what this means. <laughs> Yeah, so we did get to see everything kind of hung up at one point. Uh, I think some of the execs or something came in to look at it. But, you know, obviously could not talk about it for a very long time. <laughs> I have this like image in my head that like they would keep all of like the hero suits, like the super suits in like, you know, these like beautiful glass display cases while on set. I'm sure they were just fucking like hung up on air or like everything. Else. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> they're in a garment bag. Maybe, but no, those things get beat up so much when they're on yeah. the set. But, it was cool. Mark was in, and I just finally watched today the uh, Marvel Assembled or whatever, like the special on, on Disney Plus on the making of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And like that Captain America suit in particular, where like it would like all of the digital enhancements that they would do to some of those suits after the fact, like to take out seams. So it looked like these things just fucking like slipped on and we're all skin tight like yeah. take out all like the the velcro and like the places on like sam's like neck where the fabric would like gap and shit like that because they wanted all to make it look like it's perfectly form-fitting like super wakanda yeah. fucking fabric or it whatever is. it's like we do our best but they still always <laughs> well you, you don't have unstable molecules to work work with like <laughs> yeah. a or something like that so, yeah yeah. In terms of, did you have any other like favorite costumes on the series, like outside of those that you actually physically worked on? Um, gosh, I did think that that suit that Sam wore in uh, Madripoor was pretty fancy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that hanging around and being yeah, like, "Yeah, that was a good get up." That for. <laughs> <laughs> but when he was being the smiling tiger or whatever, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that thing that he said he looked like a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, I, I, I was really impressed with how they handled Zemo's mask. That was one that I, I was concerned with how it was actually going to translate onto the screen, but they did a pretty good job at making that not look, you know, kind of silly. Yeah, I remember the um, easily seeing the masks for the Flag Smashers lying around, too. And like, again, not mm -hmm. not knowing what they were, but like thinking they were cool. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing, um, sort of before we go on, unless Mark has anything to add about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're recording this in early May, you know, just a couple of weeks after the show finished airing. So when did you actually work on the show? What period, just to give our listeners an idea of how long it actually takes between production and, and airing on these things? Well, this is not a normal case of how long it takes between production and airing, in fairness, because of Due COVID. To COVID. So... I worked on it from the end of October through end of December, beginning of January in 2019, or end of October 2019 through mm -hmm. like a couple days in January of 2020. So yeah, it definitely was not, I think it, because it was supposed to come out first. And I think what happened was that WandaVision had finished filming and Falcon had not before we all got shut down. Well, because so, Falcon was Falcon Winter Soldier was doing a lot more location shooting, right? Yeah, I think they were out of the country when the shutdown happened. I was um, yeah, they were in I Prague. Was on they were in Prague that by that point, but yeah, it was 
yeah, it sucked. Um, and they also had to retool things because they were supposed <laughs> to do some filming in Puerto Rico and then the earthquake happened. Yeah, I you remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all this is they do all this shit in that like. Yeah, Marvel they just ran into a thing. bunch of, of roadblocks that that were from stuff totally out of their control. So, yeah. but without without COVID, I'm not sure. I know the turnaround is still like a year, I think, or more, but. It wouldn't have yeah. been as long, I think, as it was, if not for the fact that they, I mean, I'm sure they were still working on it, but the fact that they weren't able to finish filming. Oh, exactly. I'm sure it slowed slowed things down, at least for sure. Yeah. Um, considerably. All right, cool. Mark, did you have any questions for Celia about Falcon and the Winter Soldier before we um, ask I, about I, some other stuff? I have a weird question about like process stuff, because like, I'm a big nerd for concept art. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that so like eventually like and i'm i follow andy park who's kind of the lead designer he's kevin feige's design guru or whatever they call him i'm curious about like how much interaction you guys have when it comes to like like obviously the concept artist designs the costumes probably at some point and then hands it off to the costume department like where do you guys yeah the co- I, what is that kind of we i mean again i on a team like this yes. for me none but it is like yeah, the concept, I think it's kind of, I don't, I'm not really sure if it's like the concept artist designs it or if the costume designer kind of designs it and has the concept artist put it to paper. But then still, as you get the concept art, it still ends up kind of not quite being what it will eventually look like. Well, that's, yeah, and that's then, kind of my question. Then you is have like, to where take is that? a thing that's a drawing on a paper a drawing, and turn yeah, it exactly. into an actual functioning garment and it change. it does still go undergo more changes like we usually have the concept art kind of on the wall but it it is kind of a thing where it's like you recreate it as best you can but there still ends up being a lot of changes before it gets to the final final version so did you guys have like a a piece of either concept art or like a costume drawing on the wall that Mm -hmm. you were working off of yeah when you yeah it was back with our our team leader yeah could do her magic she is magic. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she'll listen to this, but <laughs> she will if you send it to her, Celia. No one will embarrassment. Is there anything else you want to tell us about your experience working on Falcon the Winter Soldier before we go on to some more kind of general stuff about working in the in the industry? Um, oh, I did get to meet Anthony at one point. I actually never, despite mm. working on Sebastian's costumes, I never met Sebastian. But uh, we went to set one day, and I was making a cup of tea and there was a little like clearing of the throat behind me or something. And I turned and Anthony's there like in the tea line. (laughs) And (laughs) he informed me that I should learn to make a London fog because it's great. (laughs) Very nice guy. Seems like a pretty nice, like genuine dude. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. There's one guy already who has made the main uh, Bucky jacket that I saw, I think in the dragon con group. I'm very excited to see because it's, you know, I don't cosplay from the MCU. I'm like, that stuff's too complicated for me. (laughs) (laughs) It is, though, like the the patterning process of just getting all those pieces to fit together is is crazy. And I I have, if anything, more admiration than ever for cosplayers who do it all on their own out of off of like especially like the super screen screen accurate stuff yeah yeah yeah. like i i my my area of cosplay is like 
getting to kind of design stuff myself or or working off of like animation or other things where I can sort of extrapolate the details and come up with my own version. Like extreme screen accuracy is so hard. And especially with stuff this complicated, I'm just like, more power to you guys. Like, right. I'm just, I'm very excited to see more people make stuff that, you know, I've had my fingers in. <laughs> I had, Quite literally, I remember you telling me, like, that you literally bled into the, oh, those, those puppy jackets. <laughs> Pot, yeah, there was, I, I mean, I think we all did. There was, when you're making a, a leather garment like that, you have to skive off. Um, that's the term for it. Like the seam allowances, you basically shave them down, like you taper them down with a razor so that you can glue them and then stitch over them and they're very smooth. Mm-hmm. And it was it's just literally a little razor that you hold and I get there's a way to hold it without cutting yourself, and I never quite got there. <laughs> it just man, there was yeah, there was like a week where I just like had eight band-aids on at once, like, oh my god. <laughs> As somebody that has now made my own costume uh, for the the ring ray things yeah, we did, I can. On it too, didn't you? I, yeah, I can absolutely, you know, I absolutely understand why cosplayers say, you know, it's it's not cosplay until you've shed blood, sweat, and tears over it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, well, uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff you did. So, you did mention you did a fair amount of work on Stranger Things season three. What kind of stuff were you working on there? Yeah, I like I said, I would just kind of accidentally end up there like whenever I was between stuff. I was there for and I did I did a little of everything for them. I I did some set stuff and I did a little bit of stitching and then I helped them wrap for a while and just reorganizing all of their stuff. So I got to look at a lot of neon 80s clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I was there when they did the first where they first go to the mall, the big mall. Starcourt. Yeah, and that's really fun. I think I can say where that is because everybody knows at this point that's that it. it's the Gwinnett Place yeah, Mall. Yeah, it's the Gwinnett Place <laughs> yeah. Mall. But it's it's <laughs> was very God. Those we did seventeen and a half hour days, I think, because it was Ooh, we had brutal. so we had like three to five hundred extras, something like that. I think it was three hundred for that, and it was five hundred for something later. And so we would have to get there like hours and hours early to get them all dressed because it was this 80s stuff it wasn't like when you have a contemporary show people tend to just wear their own clothes and you approve them Mm -hmm. but you don't have to assign them clothes so yeah we had to be there so much earlier and so much later than everything else i was i remember being really mad because i found out you could sleep at uh jeju but i didn't have a change of clothes because it's (laughs) in the same shopping center like man i could have just not even driven home and saved an hour oh right Jeju is a Korean spa in Atlanta for our listeners. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you can like you can just stay there overnight and then take a bath or whatever. And I I (laughs) very much regretted not thinking of that in time to bring uh, clothes. But yeah, so it's it's so fun to be in the mall there. I don't know if it's still like this because I think didn't they like blow up the mall in the last season? Like, I don't think that's a thing in the I think they're done with that set because I I was there then when they they did that, too. Like at the end of the season, but when you're in there, it's like, it's partially still, I don't think it's a totally dead mall. Like it's partially still a functioning mall. So there was like a divider where if you would be Mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to go use the bathroom or whatever and walked out the divider, then you're just in a normal mall. And then you walk back in and you're just literally in the 1980s. (laughs) It's very (laughs) strange. But I was there 
I was there one time when they were blowing off like uh, fireworks or something, and oh, it was like I think it was a oh, it was like, the they were fighting the no, it was yeah, they they were uh, used the fireworks against the the mind flare, right? Yes, yeah, I was there for that, and then yeah. I was there when they were in like the carnival thing. Yeah, yeah. They we that was so big. I actually wasn't there for shooting that. That was so big that we had a we had a day shift where we would come in and just prep everything and clean stuff and then dress everybody and we would go home and then the poor set people had to stay all night. <laughs> oh. So yeah, it was one of I just would get brought in for for random like big stuff where they needed a lot of people i think that was the one where we had like 500 people it's crazy wow that's nuts and i know on your imdb you are you do have uh watchmen listed under your credits but said you you just did a very limited i I was i was there for like two days and the only thing (laughs) although i i know i told him not to ask me this but he's just that into watchmen (laughs) we like fucking loved Watchmen. I think both Mark and I said it was like our favorite thing that came out last year. It was definitely my favorite DC thing that came out yeah. in the last like long time. So yeah. <laughs> no, Watchmen was amazing. Was that last so year? Anything. Was that 2019? It came out in 2020. Was beginning of, okay, beginning yeah, of 2020. Guess, yeah, no, I was there while they were doing stuff with the Minutemen. The only thing I remember that I did was that I made a couple duplicates of a cloak for Hooded Justice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and well, that, that episode was so yeah, that was just kind of what I got handed that day. And it it was kind of fun though, because I think that was the first time I was making something for like a character that I knew from mm-hmm. you know others from even just because I've read the comic of Watchmen and seen the other movie, and so that that was kind of a fun little you know like I I wouldn't ever say that I worked on that like. You know, it's on my thing that I was like one episode additional. Yeah. <laughs> but but that was a fun little moment of like, hey, I'm like, I know what this is. Yeah. Nice. OK, a few sort of like uh, random questions about the stuff you've done in in the professional sphere. So one, what's the weirdest thing you've ever had to make for a show? <laughs> I think I told him to ask this. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so for Teenage Bounty Hunters, and this is an NSFW podcast, so we can talk about it. Absolutely is. There was a scene in that where and this this hilariously, this is the first thing that I ever made, like me start to finish, only me, patterned it, made it, it was on the screen. I had basically they had a gag where they wanted a character to have a very large crotch and they brought me reference photos of guys with bulges that they were like this is how we want this to look and i was like i had to pin them on my board and i was like can we have hr here for this look at them every day i made this thing and it, it basically was just underwear with this like foam you know schlong on it (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and f- at first it wasn't big enough, so I had to redo it. And <laughs> These people it's never okay. heard of Jimstock. It's okay. A lot of people have this problem, Celia. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's still they weren't sure about it. So the day that it worked, I had to go to set with it, and I was sitting in the chair, and they were like, "It still needs to be bigger." So I was like hand sewing. <laughs> I was like stuffing more stuffing in it and hand sewing like other bits of spandex, so it looks like a Franken penis. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> and then they put this, put it on this poor actor, and somebody was like, "It looks like he has a Pringles can in there." I'm like, "That's what you told me to do." <laughs> <laughs> and the great, the ending of this story is that. So that show got canceled. The ending of this story is that a friend of mine was starting on a new show recently, and they had just gotten all these boxes of stock from Teenage Bounty Hunters. And she posted like on her Facebook story or Instagram story or something. What the hell is this thing? And it's <laughs> <laughs> and I decided to message her and be like, I made that monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good on you for owning that shit. Oh, my God. Uh, yep. <laughs> That's my legacy. It's the first thing that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a, I like that story. It's like, how did you get started in costuming? Well, first I made this giant dick, and it just it just went on from there, and now I do shit on Netflix shows. No, that, was, no that wasn't. Like, that was a Netflix show in... in <laughs> mid 2019 like i was already but but because i'm usually on a team and i'm somebody else's patterning like that was the first thing that i did from start to finish because i was like the lead person on that so it was yeah that's that's my story forever now and any for anyone else (laughs) (laughs) all right so does that also count as your weirdest onset moment or do you have a different story (laughs) no let's hear it I had okay, I had to get him to include this. I okay, there <laughs> there was a show that was for like it was like a web series or something for Adult Swim called Tropical Cop Tales. I don't think oh, a shit, troll I telling you about watched this. it. I have I was on that show for two days and I have more stories about that than anything else I've ever done. <laughs> and I'm only gonna tell you one of them because the whole first day was its whole other thing. But so the second day they were doing a scene. It was this guy who was supposed to be some sort of a mob boss or something. He was wearing a like a fetish leather dog costume that as you do <laughs> as you I it was the I guess a joke. It had butt butt cheek shaped cutouts. <laughs> And occasionally, if he would shift around and his mic wire would show, I would have to reach up in the butt cutout to push him oh, in there. no. Like, extremely sweaty, man. <laughs> so, At least give you gloves? No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we carried hand sanitizer before it was cool. <laughs> but so, reason. There, so he had, like, this dog head on. And God, the guy didn't know. He didn't know a single one of his lines. I don't know if that was his fault or if they even had a script. It was because no one seemed to know their lines. Like, sounds like one of the God costumes from was, fucking Preacher. It was madness. I have never experienced anything like this show. I couldn't believe it was <laughs> like a full union. Like I expected to be paid like 10 bucks. Like, But this was a real union production. But so... At the end of this insane scene that took us five times longer to shoot than it should have. I've watched the episode of this because they're only like 10 minutes long. I still don't know why any of this happens. This show was incomprehensible. And I thought it might make more sense when it was finished. It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Adult Swim. Most of it just is for fucking people that are just high out of their goddamn minds. Yeah, it's gotta be. It had to be. They dumped a vat of what in the show i think was supposed to be like 
toffee cream or something. In real life, it was banana pudding over this mm. guy's head. And I I don't know why this happened. He apparently was really into it. He was like rolling around in this banana pudding. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> they cut. And I get handed this dog head that he was wearing, which is now full of pudding. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And I'm just like in this bathroom washing banana pudding out of this guy's dog fetish mask. Well, it's just been a going, while since we've had weird fucking this, furry content yeah, on this podcast. But. <laughs> yeah, I, at least I didn't have to wash the suit. Somebody else did that. <laughs> but I was just, yeah, I was at the at the bath sink in the like ladies room with this thing washing <laughs> pudding out of it just going... How did this, how did I get here? <laughs> this sounds like something that somebody did, like, they put on this whole show just to, like, cater to their weird fetishes or some shit like that. It's like, I don't care if this ever makes it to air. This is all just for my own gratification. There was shrimp people in that, and there was a guy where he ate people's hands, and they, he had a prosthetic, and we had to cut it open and throw the hands back to the... How is this something that was made in live action know. rather than animation? I don't know. I'm just saying, it might have been less insane if it Tim, was a cartoon. How can you, you know, like, how can you be Tim asking these questions when you watch Tim and Eric? Oh my god! And the hands—they would pull the hands out of his stomach, and they were had this blue glittery slime in there, and they were throwing them. They were just throwing them off camera, and then we would get a separate shot of people catching them. But one guy ran up and caught it for real, and then he had slime all over the front of his shirt, and we were like, no, you're not <laughs> You know what this sounds like? <laughs> this this is going to be lost on Celia, but like this sounds like a Kids in the Hall thing gone horribly wrong. Oh my wrong. god. <laughs> oh, I know yeah, it kind of does. It sounds like Doesn't some it? weird fucking sketch comedy yeah, shit. Like, it sounds like something that the Kids in the Hall guys, like, they were a little too high, and just like, got, <laughs> it got away from them like a little the, bit. Whoever, whoever like, wrote this was on drugs, of the third I don't page. ever want yes. to encounter. <laughs> it was... Yeah. Yeah. Whoever wrote that has some like extreme like therapy bills <laughs> going on. Yeah. That's what's going on. So if anybody <laughs> listens to this, they'll get some wild stories. I, Tim, I'm going to send you photos. I have photos of this. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. And you already mentioned uh, that you did bump into Anthony Mackie on Falcon Winter Soldier. Are there any other particularly famous people that you have met that you would like to tell us about? Uh, there have definitely been several. I I very much am not a person who gets like starstruck because like you realize really fast when you do this that actors are just people. They're just there to do their jobs. But yeah. the number one one was definitely was Dolly Parton when we did her <laughs> Heartstrings show on Netflix. She is the sweetest little tiny human. <laughs> she is. She's so small. But she, she like came through our workroom at one point and like introduced herself and took photos with us that I guess were supposed to be for some like, like we, I don't know what happened to him. I want that picture. But, Production um, diary or some yeah, shit? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But, um, but she was, Wait, so you got a picture taken with Dolly Parton and you don't have a copy don't of that? I have a copy of it. Just, <laughs> I'd be burning the world down <laughs> I until know. I got that picture, man. Gosh. The woman, the legend. Yeah, I was. Absolutely. I remember there was one day because on that I was kind of a swing person. I was a stitcher sometimes, and I was on set if we didn't have enough sewing. And there was a day when I was on set that I just remember really vividly. We were all sitting around, you know, when you're filming, you sit around the monitors or stand around them so you can see what's, you know, being seen and what needs to be fixed. And you know, everybody's kind of there. There's the DP and all that, but then there's also 
the lighting people and then there's costumes making sure nothing's doing anything crazy and makeup and you know everybody kind of watching and some guy was oh no she that's what happened was she walked up and sat down in in a chair and it wasn't like a you know people sometimes bring their camp chairs and stuff but it was just a plastic chair that just lived there and she sat down in it and was watching it and another guy walked up and was kind of standing next to it. And she turns and looks at him and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Is this your chair? And, like, she gets that. And it was like, you don't have to do that, Dolly. Yeah. Like, You're I just, Dolly. You it, get to see I it. know. But it was just, like, so I feel like it's the most famous people sometimes are the most, like, humble and just – like she's, oh, just, she, she's I mean, she's pleasure. always coming across as super just down to earth. You know? I just thought I thought that was so sweet. But yeah, we we got to she sang for us a couple times when we were on oh, set, nice. like when they would be shooting. Just so cute. Nice. That's amazing. So we've talked a lot about your professional experience. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your cosplay experience? Like maybe some of the like neatest or sort of most intricate cosplays that you've done or maybe the stuff you're kind of most proud of? So, I mean, my dwarf thing was definitely one of the ones that I was really proud of. That was kind of my first big screen accurate build where I had to just, I guess not so much anymore because some of my costumes are just quickies. But I like to try to learn something every time I do at least a big build. And there was definitely a lot of that. What I did, one of my more popular ones is I did a version of the classic Disney Cinderella, which is silver, by the way. It is not blue. <laughs> wrong. But so I ended up like hand laying like several thousand Swarovski crystals and just doing all this. Not that was a very expensive costume, but I was like, I know if I keep this in good condition, I'll be able to sell it because it's Disney. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm very fond of that one. And then this last Dragon Con, we did a group of all the Valar, who are the kind of deity pantheon for Tolkien. The demigods. Yeah. Yeah, there are. It's like, are they are they a Greek pantheon or are they angels? Are they kind of both? I don't know. Yeah. So we we did that. It was it was I don't know if we're the first group who have ever had all of them, but it was 15 characters that were all original designs by us. I made two and a half of them for that group. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the one that I did, I made, I was Mandos, who was kind of the Hades equivalent, but then I also made Tolkis, and I made about half of Olmo, too. Because <laughs> we were at the point of just, we're just going to, if we have a friend who is willing War to be a body, people. we're going to yeah. throw this costume on them, because, damn it, we're going to have a full group. <laughs> <laughs> so that one, I did a really kind of, I think pretty unique design for it. And I, I wanted it to have this kind of combination of like armor and jewelry. I basically, I wanted armor that I could bead and I looked at, I got this idea in my brain and then I looked it up and I was like, that's not a thing. Like that doesn't exist. <laughs> so I literally had to basically invent how to do this. It ended up being made out of this like steel uh, mesh that I literally had holes big enough that I could sew into it, but it had enough structural integrity to maintain its shape, including I had this big circular headpiece where I basically had to sew the steel together, like to get it to maintain this shape. And I put like lights in it and it was, it's a very, I think it's a haunting ass fucking cosplay. I think it's a neat looking thing. But uh, yeah, I mix, I was supposed to do a big, thing from dark crystal age of resistance this last year but that has not happened yet because 
COVID and all that jazz. So I've made, made an elf and I made a hobbit just to keep sharp, but that's about it. I, I did a lot of fitness stuff during uh, COVID. I've lost a bunch of weight. So right now I'm having to have this thing with all my costumes where it's like, do I take it in or do I sell it? Like legit. I really want to do yeah. another photo shoot in Cinderella now that I'm vaccinated. Cause I, I think that if I lose any more weight, it's not going to fit. And that thing is not getting altered. That's going away. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't fit, it's gone. It is yeah. way to the, the way the bodice is built. Mm-mm. Nice. <laughs> cool. So you did already mention uh, one of the future places that people will be able to see some of your work, though you can't say what, uh, which is Ms. Marvel. Are there any other stuff that you've got pending that you could tell our listeners where they might be able to see shit you've done? Uh, yeah, like I said, um, the other thing that I worked on recently was the Underground Railroad, which is going to be on Amazon Prime. It comes out later this month, I think. Pretty I think soon. It's going to be... Yeah. There was a lot of that, that God, I was there for what, four, four months, maybe they shot for over a year. There was so, God, they made so much stuff and and it's all really beautiful. When you're doing something like that, where there's not as much like effects and post-production stuff to do, then they can spend more time and more money on the actual shoot, right? Yeah, I mean, I get certainly less post-production than, but that's also, that's a limited series. It's like a 10 episode thing. It's not a movie. So it's a lot of material too. Right, right. But yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. It's always, people ask like, what can you see your work in? And it's like, I couldn't even point a thing in that and say, I did that. (laughs) It's just whatever kind of comes through your hands. That one, we also did a lot of repairs and stuff because some of the stuff on it was really vintage and it would just be mm. falling apart. And that was when we came back after COVID. That's basically all we were doing was trying to get it ready to send back to rentals and stuff. Because So I, I learned to do some of the houses were very finicky. So I learned to do all these really intricate little hand repairs that would keep the clothing looking, you know, period accurate. Authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. I think that was kind of all the questions that I had before we move on to our next and final segment. So it was, did you want to share any of like your cosplay social media or anything so that our listeners can see some of the stuff that you've made? Yep. The main thing that I use to share cosplay is going to be Instagram, which is Avalone Cosplay, A-V-A-L-L-O-N-E Cosplay, all one word. I have a Facebook under the same name, but I always forget about it. Uh, like a business Facebook. That's probably y'all don't y'all do not need my Tumblr. You know, you can't have that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. Well, maybe maybe if you want to see some of that. Oh Facebook my god, even, no. Right? <laughs> no, we're gonna stick with Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, awesome. Well, that's been that's super cool to hear all that stuff. I mean, it's really interesting to hear what it's like to actually work on one of these MCU series that, or properties that we've talked about fucking, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how many times on our podcast we've talked about MCU stuff. So uh, every episode, probably at some point, yeah, exactly. we brought up the MCU. Like, yeah. so, like it's been going on since we started the show for <laughs> since before a number of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so like. I think I bet you every episode we've mentioned the MCU in some capacity, Probably. one way or the other at this point. So. so, yeah, thank you very much for that insight. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Hopefully our listeners enjoy it. Oh, thank you. Guys yeah, thank you so much me. for coming on. This has been very insightful. Oh, thank this you. Yeah. So yeah. Fun. And like, seriously, a message to cosplayers. The fact that you guys are recreating this stuff in any capacity 
like in your bedrooms by yourselves is crazy and you guys are doing <laughs> amazing <laughs> like for yes. real and maybe we can have you back after Ms. Marvel to tell us about the work that you did do on Ms. Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Come on anytime. Cool. All right, awesome. So with that, let's move on to our final segment of the episode, which is Geek Cred, where we basically just, each of us recommends something to check out that we think that you might like, that we enjoy. So Mark, you've been quiet. Let's go to you first. What's your Geek Cred for this week? Uh, the new Royal Blood album, I think it's called Typhoon, or at least the single's called Typhoon. Hold on, let me look it up. I didn't write anything down. <laughs> terrible today. Yeah, no, Typhoon's right. Typhoons, it's plural. There it is. Uh, I came out this week. It's like Royal Blood. It's good, like, kind of dancey hard rock. And, and I don't know, it's something different from the, the gloomy the doom metal, metal shit metal, that yeah. I usually listen to. <laughs> I don't know, I've been listening to it while I work this week. So, yeah, it's a little different. And it's... I mean, it's good. I like Royal Blood. I saw them open for Queens of the Stone Age a couple times the last time Queens were through the Toronto area, and they they were really fucking solid live. So I've been a fan of Royal Blood for a while, and the new one's quite solid. And I don't want to recommend Jupiter's Legacy, because... <laughs> don't recommend Jupiter's Legacy as yeah, a recommendation for this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Celia, what would you like to recommend to our listeners? Is this supposed to be like a new thing? No, nope. doesn't matter. Doesn't no, matter. something you're enjoying. Watch Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I feel like Tim had to know it was going to be that, but it never yeah, got fair. the love it deserved. Dang it. I know it's canceled for now. But we're, I mean, we're, we're, we have pipe dreams. We're hoping, so, we're hoping something will be done to, like, it, it ended. That they'll just leave that lay fallow for very long. God, I know it, it, it's, it got canceled, it so, but it like, is a complete enough thing. You know, they made it with the knowledge that they might or might not get another season. So it is perfectly yeah. watchable as it is. It is absolutely gorgeous. It was it never got the well. love it, it got... deserved. Please watch it. It got like a, it got decent reviews and it got a good number of awards, but yeah, I don't know why Netflix would have. Uh, because that, that the original traumatized the generation and none of us wanted true. to watch it. Like I, but I, <laughs> oh, as much as I love looking at Jim Henson's like designs and stuff like that, that original movie like scarred me for well, life. I liked the original when I was. I, I, lots of people I do, <laughs> absolutely. But like, I, it's one of those ones. that's like, like you're a you're a grown adult now. Like, come on. <laughs> am I? I mean, allegedly, but <laughs> <laughs> mostly allegedly. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's it's so it, it that was like kind of the fandom that got me through COVID. It's so good. It's just one of those stories that hits me in the same way that Tolkien and Lord of the Rings hit me. Where because it is, people are like, "How could you? How did they make this when you know how it's gonna end?" Basic in in genocide. Basically, mm. we know that you know, Jen and Kira are the only Gelfling by the movie. And it was really like, how is this going to even be watchable? But it really is one of those stories of just that manages. I bitch a lot about stuff like Game of Thrones. I just, I really don't like the trend towards cynicism in a lot of media now, the kind of grim, dark edginess. And this really was, it had, it, it could have been that so easily, but it really was like hope even in the most hopeless circumstances. And it really affected me a lot in addition to just being really pretty. Like, it's just really good. So, yes. Watch Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's on Netflix. <laughs> it's still on my, my to watch list. Yeah. And I, 
Killing I me. will. I will get to it. I promise. My geek cred for this week is a YouTube channel that I've been watching recently, sort of while I've been working. It is called the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. Their like username is Retro WDW. It is basically like they take old Disney World video and like restore it uh, and like probably run it through some like fucking weird machine learning algorithms and stuff to clean it up as well and like remaster it. And so like it's some of it is like just straight up people that like send them their fucking like home movies from the eighties and shit like that. Or like, Hey, or seventies or eighties, like early days of Walt Disney world. And they're like, here, clean this up. And then they do. And then they put it on their channel and it's kind of weird to be watching other people's like home movies, but it's also really cool to see those early days. You know, you could fucking see as much as you want of, modern like walt disney world or anywhere in the world really through youtube or whatever and streamers but there's like limited video footage of the early days of those parks and i have a big like i'm very fond of the original like states of those parks and shit so uh if you are like me into like vintage disney park stuff which i realize is super fucking niche then this is something that might be cool for you to check out lake buena vista historical society Mark's like falling asleep. I'm just yeah. I'm I'm totally I was like, straight out Boston. Aww. Yeah, Disney parks. I, I was like, oh, I'm gone. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's us for this week. Thank you very much for joining in and for being with us. Whether you've been with us for 250 episodes, whether this is your first episode of the podcast, really appreciate you listening. If you have anything to tell us about this episode, about some of the stuff that Celia talked about, about anything we talked about, you can get us on Facebook, which is facebook.com/slash Dance Robot Dance Podcast. You can tweet at us at drd underscore podcast i've been doing more with our twitter lately because i'm still in fucking zucker jail oh my god are you i guess it hasn't been 30 days yet 30 fucking days what's the next one tim like well how long do you get banned next time is i it think it, i think 30 is the max but after that like it's like you're flirting with perma like permanent ban, yeah. yeah perma ban like account deactivation shit so that sounds awesome let's do that <laughs> You can email us at dancerbotdancepodcast at gmail.com. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or most places that podcasts can be found. So with that, I want to say one last big thank you to Celia for coming on the episode this week. It's been so cool to have you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Say goodnight, Mark. Good night, everybody. Thank you for 250 episodes. I don't know why yeah. you're still listening to this. But, you know, <laughs> we keep making them, so there you go. Yep, exactly, because we have nothing better to do because we're all fucking stuck at home still. <laughs> it's true. This is Tim saying we will see you next time, and go make some shit. Make a costume. You can do it. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> if Tim can do Oh, no, that's me. <laughs> No, you guys no, no, you're, no, you're it's right. Accurate. He, it's accurate. Trust me. It's and let's accurate. be honest, Alicia made like a big chunk of the costume that I have too. So I made some, I did some cool foam shit. So, all right. Talk to you next time, folks.